Good Sunday. I am Rashini, and this is the first Sunday of 2021. Dr. Hilden, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Rashini, and Happy New Year to everybody who's listening today. Hope your year's off to a great start. Yeah, and we have a lot to get into today because you have gifted listeners open lines on this first Sunday of the year so they can really ask you anything they want. Absolutely. We're looking for whatever's on your mind. We'll take whatever questions you have. Might be about COVID, might be about something else, but whatever whatever you have, we'll give it our best shot. I do want to I do want to just give everybody who's listening today a huge thank you from me and from my 7,000 colleagues at Hennepin Healthcare because today, not only being the first Sunday of a new year, is the first Sunday, of the first show of a new year broadcasting for us. This is our first show of our 13th year on the air. We have just completed 12 years. So I think that puts us at about the 625th hour of Healthy Matters. And you know what? We wouldn't be doing this if there weren't folks on the other end listening. And so to all of you, a great big thank you. Well, I am just honored to be with you on this milestone show. And when you think about it, because I feel like Healthy Matters has just been there forever, it is nice to take that moment to celebrate where you started, where you're going. And, uh, you know, let's give people a little teaser for the year, Dr. Hilden, because we have some wonderful, interesting topics on the shows when you do have guests and we focus on one topic. And we really love it when we hear from people about what they want us to cover, right? Absolutely, Rashini. You know, um, well, the way we do this is that there's there's a few um, ways we plan shows. We do the open line shows because they're really popular for people to answer their questions. And so we do, do those a couple times a month. And then we have guests on most of the other shows, like, for instance, next week. We're going to talk about colorectal disease, mostly cancer and other conditions of your intestines, which doesn't sound like a great topic for a Sunday morning, but it is so common. People are thinking, oh, geez, am I going to, what am I going to talk about on a Sunday morning? We're going to talk about intestinal diseases with a colleague of mine, Dr. Jake Matlock. There's very few places that you can get in-depth conversation about uh, and information from a local source that you trust. And so we're going to do that next week. The other thing that we've, we're doing is we're taking your ideas for show topics. So there's two ways you can tell us what your ideas are. What do you want to hear us talk about? The first is to tweet me. That's easy. It's Dr. David Hilden. If you want to put the hashtag Healthy Matters, I'll make sure to get it. But you can also just tweet it to me at Dr. David Hilden. And I, you can message me on my Twitter account, and I'll check those out, and we'll, we'll put them on the on the docket for future show topics. Just leave me a few words, just a couple, three words about what you'd like to talk about. The other way is to leave me a comment on the blog, which is myhealthymatters.org. Just put the word my in front of it, myhealthymatters.org. Two ways to get in touch with me. I encourage you to follow me on Twitter. DR stands for doctor. At least I think it is because it's also my initials. (laughs) DR David Hilden on Twitter. That's probably the best way for you to follow us and follow all the shows that we're going to be doing in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And then also on Twitter at Rashini R, I regularly am tweeting about Healthy Matters also. So there are a couple different ways, many different ways, actually, you can get in touch with Dr. Hilden and with me, and I'm happy to pass those messages along because we regularly talk about, well, what would be really interesting? What do listeners want to to hear about? And one of the things that I'm 
curious about this year is talking about bone health and not just when we're thinking of osteoporosis but as someone who's a runner and you had a, a an injury in 2020 yourself and you were off the roads because of that and all different ages from kids into you know people in their 80s and 90s everyone needs to worry about bone health and I'm looking forward to getting into that extensively with you in 2021, doctor. Uh, I do want to remind people that the phone and text lines are open. We already have literally tons. I mean, that's my uh, my scientific word for how many That, that is a good scientific word, Tom. We yeah. have tons of texts. We have tons of texts. We weighed them. We, we do. We do. They're very heavy. Uh, and speaking of that, I will do my best to get to these texts. But if you for sure want your question asked and hopefully then answered by Dr. Hilden, I recommend you call us, 651-989-9226. We do already have some callers waiting. So why don't we take a quick break now, and then we will be back with Dr. Hilden, Healthy Matters, your calls and texts, 651-989-9226. We are back on this first Sunday of 2021. Roshini Rajkumar with you, along with your host of Healthy Matters, Dr. David Hilden. And the phone lines are open, 651-989-9226. So I recommend all our callers, because the lines are full, if you can keep your questions really brief, that is going to help us. Let's start with Judy in Stillwater. Hi there, Judy. Yeah, hi. I have a question that has intrigued me since the uh, virus started, and that is, I understand that it the virus takes hold in the nasal passages and, and and multiplies. And so then I thought, why wouldn't a barrier like Vaseline, why wouldn't that be helpful? Or would that be helpful when you went out in public? Hey, Judy, uh, I hadn't thought of that. Um, your initial assumption is correct, though. The virus sets up shop initially in the mucosa or the lining of your nasal passages. And from there, it works its way down to your lungs and, and all over your body, but mostly to your lungs. I haven't thought of that, but it it is theoretically, it is intriguing. I don't know if others have been studying that, but some kind of barrier in the nose um, at least theoretically could work. I, it is also possible they could make it worse, though, because um, uh, the, the, the virus seems to like that, that surface of your, of your nasal passages, which are, are wet, basically. And so I don't know if that would work or not. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know. Um, but it is, I, I'm going to agree with you, it is an intriguing possibility. Uh, I don't know if anyone's studying that, because the issue is people, uh, they study things for which there is a payoff, either a huge public health payoff or a financial payoff. And I'm not sure that anyone is studying that because of uh, they're not sure uh, what the what the end goal would be. But I agree with you. Intriguing question. Yeah, it's wonderful that great questions that come in from our listeners. All right, let us go to Jim in New Brighton. Good morning, Jim. New Year. I've got three quick questions uh, about COVID-19. The first one is about groceries now. Uh, should uh, Packaged groceries, should we still be spraying them down like bread and cereal boxes with uh, with uh, antiviral solution? And the second one is about mail. About Should you leave your mail sit for two or three days yet before you open it? And the third is about this vaccine. It's, I hear Minnesota's got 300,000 
doses, but they've only got 60,000 uh, given out. What's the hold up on that? And I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks, Jim. As for the first two, the answer is probably not. You don't need to spray down your groceries. You don't need to leave your mail sitting around. Now, it is true that the virus can live on surfaces. And so theoretically, um, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, we were telling people to do that because we just didn't know. But it now appears that that is a far lesser risk than other modes of of transmission. So if you want to be the super safest you possibly can be, I guess you could still do those things like leaving your mail sitting, wiping down your groceries. But I no longer do that. Uh, What I do is I wash my hands a lot. And so after handling things, I just suggest you wash your hands. As for the vaccine, uh, the, the reporting of how many doses have been given lags a lot. I remember just about two weeks ago, they were reporting that we had given 2,000 vaccines in the entire state of Minnesota, and I knew for a fact that we had given 2,000 vaccines at my own hospital, just one hospital. So I think that the reporting might just lag. That being said, we are it's pretty slow. The, out, the, the release of this has been a little slow, but I'm confident that that will speed up as we get all of the, the wheels greased, if you will, and our logistics all get up to speed. I think it's going to pick up quite a bit. But I share your your question about why has it been so slow at the beginning. I think we're just ramping it up. All right. Let's go to Joan in Mankato. Good morning, Joan. Morning. How are you? Good. Go ahead with with your question. All right. I had a severe flu, what I thought was the flu anyway. Last January, I was hospitalized with pneumonia overnight. Um, I tested negative for A and B, and what came up was unknown virus. Is it possible to have the antibodies after a year if I would get tested? Uh, It is possible, but we just don't know. What you had last January was likely some other variant of a respiratory virus. It probably wasn't COVID, although it could have been. Um, We test for dozens of viruses every year in our respiratory swabs. We even test for types of coronavirus. We've been testing for those for years. Um, And the the current COVID is a variant of of a coronavirus. So there are just a slew of viruses they tested for. Some of them we we don't even test for. So I'm not sure what you had. But it is possible that you have some antibodies from a viral infection a year ago, but I wouldn't count on that at all. I would just assume you don't um, because there's no benefit to assuming that you have any antibodies from a year ago. I would just take all the precautions you can with masking, social distancing, and washing your hands. All right, let's go to Ken in Blaine. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Um, I guess I have a follow-up question on the the gentleman that called uh, about the – fact that uh, we seem to be holding the vaccines without getting them into arms. I mean, uh, I've heard that uh, at the rate we're doing nationally, it's going to be several years before we get to herd immunity because they're just not getting uh, vaccinated enough people. And uh, and that's a concern, of course. And the second uh, question I have is um, the variant testing. I've heard or, or read that uh, Many countries are doing variant testing, and they're doing quite a bit of it. The United States is at less than 1%. And does uh, does uh, Hensman Health do variant testing? And if you don't, why not? 
Thanks, Ken. As for your first question, indeed, if at the if we were vaccinating people at the rate we are this week, it's going to be years before we reach herd immunity. But um, but to repeat what I said earlier, we are just ramping it up. It'll be much faster in the coming months. The thing that's going to um, delay the end of this pandemic is probably not the logistics of the vaccine. It's how willing people are to get it. If half the population chooses not to get the vaccines, then we're looking at a coronavirus pandemic for years. That's just the fact. If um, if we need 70 to 80 percent of the population to have their vaccine, once 70 to 80 percent, that's the current estimates at least, once that many have their vaccine, then we'll be back to some semblance of normal. So I think that the, the logistics people will get, get it ramped up um, in the coming months. It's how willing people are. So if I could just tell folks, if you want this pandemic to end, social distance, wear your mask, and get your vaccine. Those are the things that will cause it to end. As for your other question, the, the United States um, at a federal level uh, opted not to uh, do much variant testing for a number of reasons. Um, it initially thought this thing didn't um, mutate very much, at least initially, but all, all viruses mutate constantly. And so it is not unexpected that the coronavirus has a mutation that makes it, uh, it's, it's, a survi- it's Darwinism, it's survival of the fittest. The virus is fighting back against us. And so uh, that variant is likely highly uh, transmissible, more transmissible, but not more deadly. But it is of some concern. Uh, uh, we don't do variant testing at my hospital. Um, I don't know who does. It's more of a, a specialty kind of a thing. So I don't know where that's being done. That's to answer your second question. All right, Dr. Hilden, I want to do two quick things before we have to go to break in under two minutes here. First, can you define herd immunity again? Because you've talked about it. I think people get very confused by this term. Yeah, herd immunity is when enough people in the population have had a virus or have been vaccinated against a virus. And therefore, because so many people aren't susceptible to getting it, the virus fizzles out. To my knowledge, um, there has not been a disease in the world that goes away due to natural herd immunity, just meaning people get it. The only way that is possible is if a lot of people die. Millions and millions and millions, and that hasn't happened. So there's there always is, been human intervention. When almost all. Yeah, yeah. The, the best example of all is smallpox. How many of you are worried about getting smallpox today? The only reason you're not worried about it is that vaccine. That's the only reason. We achieved herd immunity with smallpox because of vaccines. Okay, real quickly, this text. Along the same line as the Vaseline in the nose, I have wondered if nasal irrigation with saline solution would be helpful. It's at least theoretically possible. Again, I wouldn't rely on that. I don't think it could hurt. I've been a big fan of nasal irrigation over the years. Try a neti pot. Try, but I don't think it's it's not your primary source of defense against coronavirus. But it won't hurt. I don't think. All right, we have all of our phone lines are full, and we have lots of text. So continue to keep those calls coming in. I promise I'll get to the calls. We will try to get to the text. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Our open lines on healthy matters continues after the break. We are back on healthy matters for this first Sunday of twenty twenty one. Rashini Rajkumar with you, along with your host from Hennepin Healthcare, Doctor David Hilden. And uh, Dr. Hilden, I have to share uh, a little kind of love you got on Twitter this morning. Uh, I tweeted that we were coming up at uh, 7 a.m. and then the other shows this morning. 
And John Reinen over at the Strip, he's one of the reporters, replied and he said, Dr. David Hilden was my primary care doc about 15 years ago before he moved on to bigger and better things than treated the assorted ailments of middle-aged men. He was so great. And I replied to him and I said, yep, he's terrific. I think he still treats those ailments. <laughs> yeah, I still do a little bit of stuff. But, you know, John, middle age is a relative term. You know, what's, you know. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, it's always good to hear from some old friends and patients. And uh, um, I, I love it that uh, John used the term middle-aged men because I, I was having that very conversation. I think I qualify in the middle-aged men. But you know what? I think the uh, I'm going to go with up to about 89 is still middle-aged. So. <laughs> well, I like to think you've lived life. You have experiences and wisdom exactly. to share. Exactly. Great yes. to hear from you, John. All right. Phone lines are open for Dr. Hilden. 651-989-9226. Let's go to Richard in Eden Prairie. Good morning. Thanks for taking Good my morning. call. I plan to get a COVID vaccination as soon as it uh, becomes available to me. As I understand it, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are 95% uh, effective at preventing people from contracting COVID-19. Yet that leaves 5% of the population who won't be vac- protected. My question is, once I'm vaccinated, what type of test might be available that shows the level of antibodies in my blood so I know if I'm protected from catching the virus. Yeah, there is a there will be a test called an a titer, a T I T E R, an antibody titer, which tells the level of your antibodies. We will not be routinely offering that to people, but it's a possibility if you seek it out because, well, we can't go getting blood tests on literally the entire population. Uh, so it's not really necessary um, to get it unless you're just super curious to see if the vaccine worked for you. It's called an antibody titer. The 95% um, efficacy rate, and there is a slight nuance to that. It's The efficacy means in clinical trials, 95% of the people who got the vaccine were protected from the virus. Um, that is different than world, real-world effectiveness. We still don't know what's this going to be like in the real world in zillions of people in all kinds of places who lead different kinds of lives than people who enroll in clinical trials. So we're hopeful that it's going to be highly effective and it's going to last for months or years, but that we don't know. So, so the, the, the best we have is that so many people will get the vaccine that, that, and it's so if it's, it, it, that so many won't get sick because they got vaccine that the virus will fizzle out in society and just be a low-level nuisance. That's what our hope is. Let us hope for that, absolutely. All right, Mary is on the line from Anoka. Good morning, Mary. Is Mary with us? Yes. Go right ahead. Okay, um... I avoid sugar. It's not diabetes. It's fructose. My body doesn't absorb it. And so I buy a lot of sugar-free stuff, but I have noticed that it says additional alcohol sugar. Is that as deadly as sugar, and do I add them together to figure out the uh, content? I'm not an expert in that, but um, the comments about sugar are that the, the simple sugars... Um, sucrose, fructose, glucose, those things that are in added sugars to food products are generally less healthy. So I would tell everybody, avoid them all if you can. Um, uh, They're not good for you. Um, Carbohydrates that are, are complex 
are found in vegetables, grains, um, whole foods like that. The simple refined sugars, you should avoid all of them um, to the degree you can, to the degree you can. Now, as for alcohol, it is also a carbohydrate. It's a sugar when it gets right down to it. Um, I would just say you should moderate alcohol intake no matter what. Uh, that's one drink on average per day for women, maybe two for men, but on average. Don't, be, don't have 14 in one day and call it good for your week. Um, so I would just moderate your alcohol intake. I wouldn't worry about it for the sugar content as much as I would for the alcohol content. And in general, m- minimize your simple sugars across the board. You know, Dr. Hilden, it's so rare I can give an assist on anything you get asked about. I have never met another person who is fructose intolerant. So, Mary, thanks for sharing that. I was diagnosed with fructose intolerance in 2009. It was game-changing for me. And what that means is my body, and it sounds like Mary's, does not have the fructase in our system to break down the fructose, which is found in most fruits, a lot of vegetables, all nuts except for pistachios. So it's not even just about those chemical sweeteners or things that are on a label. It's these whole foods, like a tomato, for example, has huge levels of fructose, doctor. It's just amazing, you know, what each body can and can't take. Yeah, and and there are people that can help you test for that. Um, you can ha- you can go to an immunologist, an allergist, or somebody to help you test for that. That's a good point, Rashini. And maybe we'll get into it a little next week when we cover colorectal disease because it was uh, my gastro specialist. My father died of colon cancer when I was little, and uh, my brother and I both had several colonoscopies. And I give that doctor a lot of credit because I was really in pain for many, many years until that was diagnosed. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Bill is on the line from St. Croix. Hi there, Bill. Hey, yeah. See, I'm 84. I'm middle-aged at 84, and I just got done having breakfast and doing chin-ups and, and starting the stove. Now I'm waiting to get on the air so I can go out and feed 130 head of cattle. But but what I was I said before was my wife takes a teaspoon of salt and boils it in a couple of cups of water and puts it in a jar. I lean back in the recliner and put that in my nostrils every once in a while. And when I get a cough, I'll take some, put some sand in, or some salt in my hand and then lick it off. I've got a lot of confidence in salt. Yeah, um, your your body's fluids, including those in your nose, are quite salty. So um, nasal sprays, irrigations, the neti pot, and what you're doing, Bill, are helpful to, to the, the linings of your body, um, including your nose. So irrigating your nose with salt water, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I just don't want you eating too much salt. But irrigation, go for it. All right. More calls coming in. Rose on the line from St. Cloud. Hi there, Rose. Hi. I have two relatives, uh, one 25 years, the other one 75 years, both healthy. Are there any contraindications to taking the vaccine if having a pacemaker? No, there aren't. In fact, if you have a pacemaker, that means you have some type of heart uh, irregularity, and so you ought to get the vaccine. In fact, you ought to get it as soon as you can, uh, because you I don't know what the particular heart indications are, but if you have a, um, uh, for your pacemaker, but the very fact that you have a pacemaker puts you at somewhat higher risk, I would get the vaccine as soon as you can. All right. Jerry is on the line. He's calling from Faribault. Good morning, Jerry. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a question for the doctor, and I have had post-shingles quite severely. 
And um, could I get COVID vaccination and have a severe reaction? It's possible, but unlikely. Um, the shingles is not related. That's It's entirely different. And so I wouldn't worry about it for that fact, just because you had a post-herpetic neuralgia. 10 to 15% of people do get problems um, after shingles, and they get a little bit sick after the vaccine even. This is entirely different. Is it possible to get a, a reaction to the COVID vaccine? The answer to that is yes. It is exceptionally unlikely, but it's not impossible. And the the, the downsides of getting COVID-19 outweigh any risks from the vaccine by orders of magnitude. There even just some, there's some new data that sometimes people who lose their sense of taste and smell, even young people, never get it back. Um, so we always talk about the death rates from COVID. What if you could never smell again for the rest of your life? You know, we don't know if that's a big deal, but it's been found now that some people's smell isn't coming back. So the vaccine's far safer than getting the disease. All right, Dr. Hilden, we have a couple minutes before break. I remind people of the number for both the phone and text line, 651-989-9226. I promise we will get to you if you call. We will try if you text. Here's a text, doctor. What is the best way to clean ears of wax? My ears are sensitive to pressure changes. I will be on a plane this Wednesday. Do pressure stabilizing earplugs work? Uh, I don't know if the earplugs work so well, but people can get be very uncomfortable if you can't clear your ears. So I sympathize with you. The, the, do not put anything in your ears, however. Don't put a Q-tip in there. I've had two patients that I can immediately recall who put a Q-tip through their eardrum. So don't do that. Um, don't put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. Uh, um, that's a little bit of wise old wisdom. Go to a clinic, go to a nurse practitioner in urgent care, and they can blast it out with warm water. Cold water hurts, but they can blast it out with warm water. You can also try the earwax softening drops that you get at the store. They are sometimes effective. And sometimes you can just put a little mineral oil in them, just a drop or two of mineral oil and let that soften them. But just please don't put any uh, cotton swabs in there. All right, here's a mystery question. I have reddish-purple skin color on and near the index finger on the second joint from the fingernail. Anything I need to get checked out? Yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to know what that is without seeing it, but yeah, if you have a discoloration of your finger, it could be infected. It could have blood vessels have broken. It could have some in inflammation. I would have your primary uh, uh, provider see that. Yeah, I think we know when Dr. Hilden says, yeah, go get it checked yep. out. Go get that checked out. Do it. Doesn't right. sound right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break. Then our final segment, so get your calls in, 651-989-9226 on Healthy Matters. We are back on Healthy Matters on this first Sunday of 2021, and it is the first Sunday of year 13 of Healthy Matters presented by Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Hilden, you've been bringing good answers to folks for a long time now. Yeah, thanks, uh, Rashini. This is our 13th year. Thank you, all of you listeners. You're keeping me on my toes this morning, and we're bright and early on a Sunday morning. Thank goodness I have a cup of coffee in me, and we're ready to go. All right, so our line for final calls for uh, today's show, 651-989-9226. Dave is on the line from Hopkins. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. Quick question. Um, I've heard there's some theoretical reasons to have the vaccine uh, after the first uh, vaccine administration, have it in the other arm for the second vaccine administration. Uh, what is your thought about that? I don't think that that, that is needed. 
it, it spreads throughout your body within hours or days. And so it, there's the capillaries in your right arm are not much different than your left arm. The only thing I would suggest, though, about which arm you get it in is if you are, say, a breast cancer survivor or somebody who has lymphedema in your arm or somebody who's got a problem with one of your arms, use the other arm. But as for the two doses, I think it doesn't make any difference. At least I haven't heard of any difference. And one of the texters asked about Crohn's disease and uh, and the vaccine connected with that. I, there's no data on that. Crohn's disease is a relatively, uh, I don't want to say um, common, but we see a lot of it. We, actually, it is relatively common. In inflammatory bowel disease, it's one of the two, the other being ulcerative colitis. It is an autoimmune situation, and autoimmune diseases are like our doctor way of saying we're not exactly sure. Your own body is attacking itself for some reason. I have not heard of any um, contraindications of people with Crohn's disease in the vaccine. And frankly, if I had Crohn's disease, I would not want COVID. COVID is a massive inflammatory problem. So is Crohn's disease. You don't want both of them. So I would get the vaccine, but we don't have a lot of data on that. Okay. Let's go to Larry, who's calling in from Stillwater. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. My wife has a severe allergy to all tree and root nuts. Should she get the COVID uh, vaccine? She also uh, gets the flu shot with no problem. Yes, without a doubt. We uh, there's really very few people with allergies that need to not get the vaccine. Um, um, even people who have had anaphylaxis, you know, if that is the most serious reaction, if you have had that, get your vaccine at a place that can handle it. In other words, a clinic or a doctor's office as opposed to a pharmacy. But if you're somebody who has nut allergies, food allergies, bee sting allergies, and you carry your EpiPen around, uh, there's been no evidence that uh, you're, you're, that this vaccine's problematic. To the text lines, because we have a lot of texts coming in, Dr. Hilden. Again, 651-989-9226. This person says, doctor, the Moderna vaccine has not been approved by the FDA. Is it still safe? It has been approved on an EUA, which is an emergency use authorization. The Moderna is just like the Pfizer. They're identical in that regard. They've both been approved by the FDA under an emergency use authorization. Neither of them have gone, are permanently forevermore approved, but they are both, the Moderna's approved just as much as the Pfizer one. Okay, this person says, Hubby and I mall walk at Maplewood the walking hour before the mall opens three days a week. Everyone wears a mask, mostly seniors. How safe is this? It's safer than um, uh, than it could be, um, uh, as long as everyone's wearing a mask and you're nowhere near other people. So don't be right behind anybody. Don't do it in groups. It is less safe because, A, it's indoors, and, B, um, the possibility for groups to be together. But if you can stay far apart and definitely wear a mask, you're doing your best to keep it safe. Okay, we do believe we got Jane back. Jane from Coon Rapids. Hello, Jane. What's your question? Oh, good morning. This is a question I've had. I was a nurse since 1970, and I've known mainly pediatric. And um, way back when, in 1970, there were very few ultrasounds done on women who are pregnant. I know this is way off the question, but... um, I would like to know if there's ever been a study done correlating the increase in autism with the increase in ultrasounds done on women who are pregnant. Um, It seems to me that there's a correlation between the increase in autism in children and the increase 
and ultrasounds done on pregnant women, correlating the two. Thanks for your uh, it's all, your question. It's always good to talk to a nurse. I am not aware of any such study. I've never heard of that connection, and I would be extremely dubious about that. I doubt it. There's a ton of things that have changed in our lives since 1970. Diets have changed. Pollution has changed. Lifestyles have changed. Um, and medical care has changed as well. Ultrasounds use sound waves that have um, have never been shown to be harmful. They don't use radiation. They don't use chemicals. They simply use sound waves. It's nothing different. And so I've never heard of that connection with autism. I will always say a caveat. That's not my area of specialty. So don't. Uh, I never want to sound like I know everything, and I'm not an expert in that, but I've never heard that, Jane. It's an All interesting right. point. All right. We're really running out of time. Bevan Burnsville, if you can keep your question to about eight seconds, uh, he can answer it. Really quick, please. Wondering if a reaction to the shingles vaccine involving serious shaking, just chilling, is a deterrent to this one. It's not for the COVID. You can still go ahead and get the COVID vaccine. They're very different. People do get lots of reactions to the shingles vaccine. So that is common in that. I would not have that be a problem at all, getting the COVID vaccine. And thanks, Bev, who kept it to about four seconds. Uh, Really quickly, let's get a couple texts in, Doc. Can my first vaccine be Moderna, my second Pfizer? No. Uh, um, get the same one. Now, in Great Britain, they're trying a little experiment with no scientific data to back it and getting the different ones. Don't do that. Um, Stick with the same vaccine on the two shots. All right. Someone's asking both of us about the fructose intolerance. It was just called that. That's what it was diagnosed at. All right. We are severely running out of time, Dr. Hilden, but how can people reach you before next week? Go to Twitter if you're uh, if you're so inclined, and check me out at Dr. David Hilden. Follow me on Twitter. Um, send me a tweet. I'll try to get back to you. Dr. David Hilden. Also, you can go to the blog site at myhealthymatters.org. Myhealthymatters.org. Right. The first Sunday in 2021 is in the books, and the beginning of Dr. Hilden's 13th year of Healthy Matters. We'll catch you next week, right here, same time, same channel for Healthy Matters.